A one, two, two three, four. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Hello, everybody. My name is Deacon Luke Rowicki. And my name is non-deacon, Brother Andrew Tori. <laughs> and this is T-G-I-F-F. All right, so first Friday of February, what is everyone talking about in February, Brother Andrew? What's, the, what's going on? Well, everybody's talking about that cool alliteration, right? First Friday of February. Exactly. I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that just like the first thing that pops in your mind when I February think so. rolls around? <laughs> And there's also Valentine's Day, you know, coming up for all y'all who I'm sure you're nervous thinking about what, I, what can I do for my special someone this year. But what else? You know what you could do? Well, another thing, you could get them, if you, if you don't have any ideas, you could get them some of those chalk-like pink little hearts that taste terrible. Oh, so that, good. That could be a nice. <laughs> exactly. I, mi I miss getting that mysterious box from like, to Luke from question mark those are always fun but you know I, I thought you were gonna say like a good gift would be like a year's subscription to tgiff or something like that could be um, that was gonna be the second thing yeah exactly actually our but, big announcement but... is that this year for valentine's day we're gonna do a subscription free subscriptions for everyone so tell your friends exactly. tell your family you can listen to us for free it's gonna be it's gonna be a limited time for the rest of your life free offer <laughs> <laughs> So what is really, I think most people are talking about, or at least thinking about, or reading in the papers, is that there's a big game on February 13th. Who's playing That's in that game, right. Andrew? The Bengals versus another team that Brother Luke will now name. <laughs> <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams, home field advantage. So it doesn't normally happen, but this year, because they always decide where the Super Bowl will be before the season starts at the beginning of the season, it just so happens that the team who always plays in L.A., the Rams, will be playing at their home field. And so that's a huge advantage for them. There was a joke that went out there um, that's saying, oh, to avoid that, we're going to always have the Super Bowl in the Cowboys stadium. But I did not appreciate that joke. <laughs> um, but so we, since everyone is talking about this, we decided, you know what, let's talk about it too. Let's also yeah. talk about the Super Bowl, but not, but not a Super Bowl that comes and goes like, this is Super Bowl 56, and then there's going to be 57, and 56 is already over. We want to talk about something that remains. But Andrew, what is it that remains? Let's get philosophical here for a second, and then share the title of our episode. Well, Brother Luke, as everybody knows, when you grow, when you grow through life, through life your, your body grows, right? And it starts to get older and older and we eventually die. But that doesn't mean we disappear, right? That doesn't mean that, that everything is just kaput and it's over, right? It's sad, it's hard, and, and it's, a, it's a fact of life, but we still exist after our death because we have a spark of divinity inside of us, which is called our soul. Mm. So that's why... Our episode is called Super Soul with S-O-W-L. L. That's right. So it's not Super Sal, it's Super Soul. Or it could be Super Sal. That's depending super where Sal. you're from. Yeah. Does it know, but, but then that would mean some people might say Super Bowl. <laughs> That's true, but depending on where you're from, Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So we're not talking about we're not talking about bowels, folks. <laughs> no, we're not. That's for another episode or another another podcast. Another not our exactly. podcast. Um, so super soul, and of course, since as you all know, there's a big halftime show planned this year. So they always have a famous band or singer come on. This year, they've invited one of my personal favorites, Eminem. And as nice. you all know, Eminem as a rapper, they got Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar. I don't know who else. There's, there's a bunch of people. Um, and so we've got a rap to help begin this episode off on the right foot, but it also contains within it a lot of what we're going to be talking about. But Angie, do you remember the rap? <laughs> Let's see if I remember. I remember the second line and the third line and the fourth line. 
All right, go for it. <laughs> when your when your when I don't remember the first line, but All right, I'll do it this time, and then you come in next. All right, I'll, okay. st I'll start. I'll start the flow, the the improv, and then you can just you can flow with it later. <laughs> All right, so the super soul when your soul needs a kick and the sin needs a block, let the coach call the shots and let us stand on the rock. Woo. That's right. So mediation, folks. What is this mediation? What is what is what is that that we're going to talk about? Like, why is it important that we have a church? Why is it important that there are priests? Why is it important that I'm spiritual but not religious? Okay, let's talk about that. Um, super super soul. Like we were saying before. Okay, we have bodies that grow and we have a something that remains. When I say I'm spiritual but not religious, what sort of consequence i guess does that have on this fundamental fact that man is body and soul well i think the most important thing is to identify the truth that's behind what what some people say when they say i'm spiritual oh, oh i don't go to church no I'm, I'm spiritual but you know i'm not religious you know i don't do all that religion thing it's all a sham people want to control us you know the the priests want our money no 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 it's all corrupt like there's something true behind what they're saying. Like there's, they're not, they're spiritual, but not religious. That means in, in many cases that it's sort of an appeal to a personal uh, spiritual space, I guess you could say spiritual world inside of me. That's that I, I'm sort of in my own spiritual world and I, and I connect in my own way and in, in a very personal way that nobody else uh, interferes with. Hmm. It's sort of like, I'm, I'm sort of like a, a spiritual Island, right? Like I've, Nobody else needs to come and intervene, right? Um, and and, and that, that sounds like a negative, negative way to... There's a positive element there because it's true that we all have uh, an intimate connection with God, um, that nobody else... Like, like he, he knows us. Before, he, he formed, before we were formed in the womb, he knew us, as he says to the prophet Jeremiah at the beginning of, of the book. And so, so it's true that we, we do have this intimate connection that nobody else um, has like between me and God, like, like that's sacred. But the fact that, like you just said, um, the fact that we're both soul and body means that we're sort of like a, a mix. And so if we just pay attention to our soul, like, like I want, I want the purest soul possible and I'm going to, you know, strive with all my heart and my mind and, and I'm going to, you know, do all these things. I'm going to be perfect. Or if I, if I just focus on the body, like, okay, food, pleasure, um, just enjoying life, um, not caring about, you know, eternity. Like if you fall into either of those extremes, uh, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And so what mediation says, our great topic of today's podcast, the super soul, is that our soul needs a body. It needs a body that's well-formed. It needs a body that's taken care of. It needs a body that, that takes care of others. And our body needs a soul. It needs, it needs direction from a higher principle. Because our bodies uh, eventually cor uh, corrupt, and we're all eventually going to, you know, end up in in a cemetery one day. You know, our bodies will, but 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 our souls will go on. Hmm. And and so it's this mediation is this is this you know sort of term that we use to to show that God um, communicates Himself to us through other people, and our body needs our soul, and our soul needs our body, and so. That, that's what mediation is about, is that you have two sides that are, that are in conversation, dialogue. And that's so important. When, once you stop a mediation, then you're isolated and, and you get sick. And, and that's not good because we're meant to be healthy and happy and free. And that's how mediation can help us. And I think also one of the things I want to backtrack a second, just how this topic came up. Because um, we're always thinking, okay, like what topics are interesting for people today, for you all that are listening? Um, and mediation maybe doesn't like roll off the tongue or like, well, I'm, I'm just like thinking all the time about mediation. No, like no one, but, <laughs> but it is in our lives all the time. And so like the whole Super Bowl thing, I was saying, okay, if I'm a fan watching the game, there's so much that I'm unaware of that is happening on that field. So I was thinking you have the, the coordinators, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators, um, who are up top in this office, far removed from the players. I don't know how many, like 15 stories up. And they're communicating to the coach who's on the field. The coach communicates to the quarterback. 
the quarterback huddles with the team, explains the play. You're going to run here. You're going to do this. You're going to turn. You're going to block. Then the play happens, and that whole plan sometimes goes perfectly, or sometimes you have to adapt and completely change the plan in the moment from one moment to the next. And that's the difference between a Tom Brady and a, and a Tim Brady. And, <laughs> Who's Tim Brady? <laughs> exactly. And then, um, and then I'm the fan, and I just, I just see the consequence of all that. I see like the last part of all that. But that's not to say that all the rest isn't important. All of that was important so that I was able to enjoy the game and the Super Bowl and to see the guy get the MVP and the touchdown and the trophy and all these things. Okay, so mediation, like that there's all these things like between me and like this first act or mover or truth in the sense of, or in the, in the case of God and his church and the, what he wants to reveal to us. And wouldn't it be better, Brother Andrew, like why bring in the church and like you know, since we're all human and we're weak and all these things, like, wouldn't it be better if God just kind of revealed, came, like sat down with me in the, each morning and said, this is my will for you. Made it very clear. Do this today. <laughs> Do this today. You're going to be happy. You're going to get to heaven. You're going to have less problems. You're going to like, and so why, like, why, why this whole mediation thing then? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, the case, like if God were to actually like just appear on a stage and announce his will to us 24-7, the, best, the biggest advantage to that would be clarity. And that's what a lot of people want. A lot of people, a lot of people really want clarity in their lives. I want to understand what God wants. I want to do his will. I wish I could decide, is this girl for me? Is this guy for me? Is, what, should I pick this um, career path? Um, I don't know if we can have another kid. Like, so, so many things people like, like what, does, what does God want? And so... A lot of people, and myself included, we want clarity. Like, did, like I went through this, you know, process in my discernment, where I it was it was hard. I went through dark, dark, stormy clouds of I wasn't sure if I should be a priest. You know, I'm, I'm still not a priest, but I'm almost there. Right, you're about to be ordained, man. May seventh. That's gonna be amazing. Pray for this. Pray for this deacon, folks. Please. Away. So, but yeah. So the the biggest advantage to that, like God direct revelation twenty four seven, would be clarity. But then the next question is, and I'll throw this back at you: Is clarity the the the, the best thing that we should strive for? Is is would it be good to always have a clear path every morning? I wake up and I know exactly what I should do. Sort of like you know the Truman Show. You know his whole life is planned out. Hmm. You know I forget I forget I forget his name. His well, name is Truman, right? So yeah. his, his, his whole life is, is this, this, um, this movie. It's, it's a live movie. Everything, everybody around him is, all of his characters are sort of created for him. And like, and that's really funny. There's even moments where like there are ads. And so his, his wife like sh sort of like shows like a cereal box yeah. to the screen. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so, but, but, but his whole life is planned out. And so it's all clear. The script is all written. Everything is done. But but Truman's oblivious and he sort of, you know, sort of finds out, but is the, is the biggest, would that be, would that be great to have a script? You know, is that, is that, is that the best case scenario? Okay. When your soul needs a kick and your sin needs a block and you don't have a clue, let us stand, stand on, on the rock. rock. Okay, that came out well. <laughs> yeah, let's let's see what, when we when we make the final edit, we'll see if that uh, gets edited in or out. So, um, okay, so imagine going back to our analogy of the of the game. Did Bill Belichick train Tom Brady, the best quarterback, who I guess officially retired or he hasn't announced it yet? But we'll see what happens. But it sounds like he's he has he has announced it. It is official. I, I I read about it. I know, but then he hasn't actually made it a statement. Everyone's making it what? about him. But he posted on Instagram. Oh, maybe so. Uh, so, did Bill Belichick train Tom Brady to obey his every single word? Or has he trained Tom Brady to think on his feet, to use, okay, like you have this much time on the clock, this is the situation, this is the defensive uh, formation that they're having, and you make the best decision based on all of your training. Like, what, which of the two makes a great quarterback? Is it a quarterback who's like a slave to following step one, two, three, four, five? Or is it a quarterback that sees the reality around him 
with the principle that he's given, the principles he's given, the training he has, all the practice he's done, then in the moment, let's almost like his instinct, but like all of that comes into play and he makes the choices that he makes. Obviously, it's the second. Tom Brady's not on the field thinking, okay, Bill Belichick says, call Hut, right, Hut, and then take three steps back. Okay, then turn to the right. No. And so clarity in a certain sense is great. And actually, there is a lot of clarity thanks to the documents of the church and thanks to, we have to we have a lot of faith that God is, God is guiding that. But, and maybe Brother Andrew can talk about that later. But there's another element that is even more important than clarity, and that's freedom. And why? And Brother Andrew can talk about this more. But freedom is the sine qua non. We, should, we need to keep using oh. more Latin, huh? <laughs> the listeners love, love uh, ancient dead languages, like as much yeah. as we do. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but it is, you, uh, you can't, it is one of the essential elements of love. Without freedom, there cannot be love. You cannot oblige someone, force someone, um, pay someone to love you because it has to be free. It has to be, they desire for me from the depths of their heart, my good and my well-being and they're, they're willing to sacrifice for that. That's love. So God does not ask us to be like a Pharisee saying, um, all right, tie your shoes like this and then walk out your door, take a left, not a right, take a left. And then you talk to this person briefly 35 seconds and then you keep walking no he doesn't want robots he doesn't want people following like a scheme because that would actually probably distance us from god because god is love he wants freedom and so mediation kind of going back i guess to my question again then brother andrew obviously god didn't make a mistake so what do you think is what is his objective if you can say that i don't know if you can say that of instituting a church if Clarity is not necessary. It's good, but it's not necessarily the the final objective or um, end of our lives. And love is like I don't know what is yeah. What's God's big plan in the midst of this church, which, as we're all well aware, has its difficulties and its frailties and its errors throughout history. Like I don't know. Re- like how can you help me to grow, get my trust back in the church if I'm one of those people that says I'm spiritual, not religious? Because they're probably, they've already had an experience or they've, they've seen a church that isn't necessarily transmitting the voice of God. Like mediation, like you said, is someone's communicating through someone. But is that always the case in the church? Is God always effectively communicating through the church? Is he not? How come I know? How can I know when, yes, or not? And Right, yeah. There's, um, there's a really interesting experiment that you can do um, about mediation and about how sort of like one thing, like this thing that the church says or this thing that the priest says, how does it sort of fit into the larger picture? So let's, let's go to some of those difficult passages in the Bible. Um, like the most typical one would be like when the Israelites have to put the ban on different peoples in the land of Canaan. So they're, they're coming, out of, coming out of Egypt. Um, they've already crossed the, the Red Sea. Moses is leading them. And then eventually Joshua leads them into the promised land. And there, there's all these peoples that are living there, these pagan peoples that have all these terrible practices. Some of them do child sacrifice or they, you know, sexual immorality, um, unhealthy, you know, religious practices, etc. And so what God says is, okay, you have to go to these different towns and you have to kill everybody, man, woman, and child. And then it's like, what the heck? That, this is the, Jesus, you know, merciful. Like, how is this? Is, is at least the same God? Like, what's happening here? And so one way that we can understand what the message here in these difficult passages is we sort of see it in a larger picture. Okay. In the larger picture of the Old Testament, in the larger picture of the whole Bible, both Testaments, is does God advocate uh, murder? <laughs> Clearly not, right? <laughs> I mean, he said on, on Mount Sinai, thou shalt not kill. Right. Um, but then God is like, like what, ha- what's happening here? God is saying, you have to kill these people. Right. Um, so this is, this is a whole big debate, you know, and like just a, a short answer is, is God is the author of life. And so what God, um, when God demands a, a sacrifice, he, he owns all life that has been created because it's all come from him. Right. So it's not unjust for him to, to demand that type of sacrifice. But anyways, that's a whole nother discussion. It's, um, but the point is, is that, okay, the church says, Church says that you that, that we have to avoid contraception. Now, how does that fit into the larger picture? How can I know that this is 
this is true. Like, uh, what? There's, there's this middleman in between me and God. Like, how can the church say that I can't do this? You know, this mediation. Like, what? What the heck? Why? Why can't I? Well, there's a larger um, painting that the church has has beautifully crafted about human flourishing, and part of love is giving myself completely to somebody else. You know, you and I, as as uh, future priests giving ourselves completely to the people that God places in our lives daily, constantly changing our schedules and answering that phone call and, you know, the sacrament of the, of the, of the anointing of the sick at, you know, at 4 a.m. in the morning, being available. And if in your family, your kids, your, your, your husband, your wife, constantly giving yourself. And, and in that sexual relationship, it's about giving myself completely with no limits, no strings attached. And that means being open to life always. Because if, it's, if, you're, if we're not always open to life, that means I'm holding something back and it's not a full gift of myself. And so the language that I'm carrying out in the sexual union with my husband and my wife is sort of a lie because it's supposed to express complete giving of myself. And so that's how we can sort of see, you know, looking at how um, the, the, just the image, like no contraception. Okay, that's, a, that's hard to do. Yeah, I get it. But there's this larger picture. And so we can see, oh, that makes sense. Or you say, go back to the image of the ban, you know, killing all these, like, how could God? Well, God wants us to be, he wants it to be totally clear that there can be no, no, absolutely no compromise with sin, which is what these pagan peoples are sort of representing. There can be no compromise, not even a little. So I like, like, imagine if I told, if I met the Pope, yesterday I was at, I was at mass with the Pope. Um, for the World Day of Consecrated Life. It was really beautiful. All these people from all over the world, it was so awesome. But imagine if I told the, told the Holy Father, Holy Father, you know, I love being a priest. You know, I, I really like it. And, you know, you know, I, you know I'm, I, I, my vows, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm poor and, you know, I, I obey my superiors. And, you know, in chastity, yeah, you know, you know I'm, I'm chased, you know, 95% of the time, you know? Um, you know, like, like, like if you told your, if you, if, if I, if, if I were married, you know, I told my wife, yeah, you know, you know, honey, I just, I love you so much. And, and because I love you so much, I'm, I'm faithful to you 98% of the time. Six you days know? of the week. I'm faithful. <laughs> exactly. Like that just doesn't cut it. And so, so what God asks in the old Testament is total, um, love on our part, giving ourselves to him total trust. And so that's how we can understand this passage on the band. So, and what I'm, this, this long-winded explanation I just gave, the point is, is that when we begin to doubt um, the truth of certain statements from the church or certain messages that we hear that sort of clash with what we feel on inside of us, I think the first thing that we should do, um, if, we're, if we're humble and honest, is sort of take a step back. Okay, how does this fit into the larger picture? Maybe this challenges me on a certain point, hmm. but how does it fit into the larger picture? And just what you're, you're getting at with the, the te church teaching is on contraception. That, that for some people is like a big write-off for the church. The church needs to get with the yeah. times. They're obviously still living in the Middle Ages. And so I'm spiritual but not religious, you know. And, and there's probably some more right. steps in that logic of theirs, but to make it brief. And that's the beauty. I want to, like, we've been talking a lot about the, um, like, why it's not bad to have mediation. But why is it good to have mediation? And, like, you started talking about that, like, with... We're us having, we want a super soul and a super soul cannot be a super soul without a body that goes with it, a super body or yeah. even a, just a body. Let's just say a body. All right. But theology of the body, this awesome teaching by John Paul II shows us that the body actually helps us understand the soul I and mean, the body helps us understand the whole, which is body and soul. And so like when you look at man's body, when you look at the woman's body, there's, it tells us something of the manhood and femininity and the, the fullness of, of both genders when they're, mm -hmm. when they're united in marriage and the marital act brings life. Like there's, there's so much there that we're not getting into now, but the body is already communicating to us something of God's design for who we are as the pinnacle of God's creation. Um, yeah. I, I, I just saw, I, I, I should have probably listened to it more, but you know those weird, like the master class, I think they're called, like the YouTube. Yes, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The one, one popped up yesterday, and I was trying to watch this video, some other video, and it popped up, and I just heard the first five seconds. But this guy, like, made this really, like, uh, banal description of 
um, what do you call the um, conglomeration of, and he has like talked about all these things, blah, 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 and then um, which eventually will become the food for um, like earth crawling worms. That's man. Like something like that, like he was like giving a, just a very dry <laughs> scientific explanation of the body, I guess, but I didn't, I didn't sit around and listen to more. But that's wrong. The body actually teaches us that there's so much more to like a cadaver that get eventually is eaten by worms and is like, yeah, the skull and crossbones in the cave with pirate's booty. That the body, our my life is does not amount to being one day a cranium lost in a cave somewhere. No, it's so much more, and our body is actually what teaches us that. And so theology of the body is one indication of this need for mediation. Like if if we don't pay attention, I'm just soul, I'm just spiritual then we're, we're going to miss a huge part of who we are. And that goes as well with religion, with sacraments, and with the church teachings. Um, why why is all this? Like, actually, I've heard this before. I have a whole church thing with like standing up and kneeling and sitting and standing again and then kneeling. It's like, I don't know, it just, I don't need all that. Like, it's so unnecessary. Well, no, I mean, in a sense, it is very necessary. Why? Because we're soul and body. And so... Scott Hahn talked about in his book, Rome Sweet Home, like his, his conversion story, and then it's also his wife's conversion story. Um, and he talks about his conversion was when he, w- he went to give a talk um, in, in some city and for whatever reason, ducked into a church that day, a Catholic church. And he was Protestant and staunch, staunch like, uh, he knew his stuff and he was against anti-Catholic, staunch anti-Catholic. But for some reason, he, he ducked into a church that day, maybe just for some silence or whatever. And it was right when the mass, when they're, when we're um, proclaiming the, the holy, holy, holy. And so hearing holy, 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 seeing this moment of like, it's all silent. All these people um, stand, are standing and then they kneel down before like the altar. And all these rites and the, the priests are, are vested with the, with the chasuble and there's, and there's incense and there's altar servers. And from one moment to another, he, was, he knew his stuff. He had his doctorate. He was convinced, you know, intellectually that he had the truth. And from one moment to the next, through what he saw, what he heard and experienced with his senses, he said, this is the truth. Wow. Like the church should be, it's not always, but it should be that mediation. So when people experience the church, whether it's in the sacraments or through a Christian, a Catholic, one of us, they just say, that is the truth. So that is what we're talking about. That is mediation. That's why when you say, I'm spiritual, not religious, I'm sorry, but you're missing something. I appreciate your desire to have a personal relationship with Christ, and that is all of us need that. But he doesn't desire that your relationship with him is limited, like Brother Andrew said, to being an island. There's so much more. Brother Andrew, tell us more or rap about it. If you got a rap, you know, boiling up in your soul. <laughs> When, when your soul needs a kick and your sin needs a block, let the coach call the shots and a stand on the rock. Rocker. Rocker. So what, like, what more does a church want to give me like, through this mediation, through this body and soul reality? I don't know. What have you well, experienced? What's helped you? I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, well let's go back to the Super Bowl. Because so like the mediation thing. Mediation is... And the church is as, as necessary as all of those middlemen are in, in, in between the top, you know, like the, the, the people at the very top of who are these? I don't, I don't, I don't know people very well. You know, like the coordinator, <laughs> offensive coordinators, defensive offensive coordinators. coordinator, yeah. all the way down to, to you got the man on the ground, right? And so it, it would be so ridiculous if Tom Brady and his team or whoever's on the Bengals, like he's not, he's not playing Super Bowl, but, but if, imagine it would be so ridiculous if the Bengals just decided, okay, we're just going to do our own thing. You know, we can see, we, but they can't see everything. They don't, they don't see, they don't have the perspective from, you know, being, you know, 14 stories up. They don't have, they, they can't talk to all of these people. They don't, they don't have, a, like, they're not talking to all the coaches. They, they don't have that perspective. They don't have, and, and that's what, and that's what they need to win the game. That's what they want to win the game. But imagine if they just said, okay, we don't need that. We're just going to do it. Like, I mean, maybe you'll win, okay, but but it's so much better if you have that direction. That's why we need mediation um, for, I mean, not just a football game, but to to get to heaven, eternal life. We need we need wisdom that has been communicated to us 
through the centuries and that we can't just, it, it would be so foolish of us to say, I'm just going to go out on my own. You know, why, why would you want to throw into the, into the garbage bin the, the wisdom that has preceded you, you know, for how many thousands of years? It wouldn't make any sense, right? We need, we need uh, people. We need, we need a community that, I mean, Aristotle, this, uh, this boring Greek philosopher, who's actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's really fascinating. Um, he, said, he said that that man is a social animal. That was one of his um, sort of non-glorious definitions of the human being. <laughs> We're social <laughs> animals, which means that um, animal comes from the word for soul. So we have, we have a soul. And, and we're social, meaning that we need other people to, to live suitably, right? We can, you can be, there are people who live by themselves hermits. Yeah, but that's, the, that's an exception. We, we need other people. And so mediation is awesome because it introduces me into a community. And we need friendship. We need, like we said, wisdom from other people who have studied things that, that, that we don't understand. We need somebody who can help me when I'm sad. We need people who can accompany me at the most important moments of my life, at my, at my birth, um, uh, when I'm becoming an adult, um, my marriage, or maybe when I'm ordained a priest, or, or at the end of my life, um, we need a community. And that's what mediation is for. Mediation is, is the communication of, of truth through an intermediary. And that's, that's how God works. He loves middlemen. <laughs> that's his strategy. Middleman. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, like what, I don't know, for, for example, going again, back to the, the Super Bowl, Super Soul. If, so the, just, uh, I know you're, it's killing you, the name of the quarterback of the Bengals. You're not going to be able to sleep at night. So, <laughs> so Joe Burrow. So Joe, like okay. Joe Burrow could say like, oh yeah, that, like my coach is on the sideline. I'm the one on the field. So I'm going to call the shots. What is like, what does he know about, you know, what I'm experiencing on the field? I've got five 350-pound guys that are trying to, to um, pancake me, smash me into the ground. Like, and he's saying, oh, do this. No, I'm going to do my, what I can to because I'm the one on the field. I'm on the field. And that's a, kind of like a similar attitude that maybe we can have to think, like, what is the church doing teaching me how to live my personal life, how to, how to raise my kids? Um, I'm the one in the house on the field uh, making the money, putting the food on the table. Um, and like what you said, it'd be, but it, again, I mean, that maybe that's like a natural attitude you could have or, uh, um, reaction to the church teaching things that maybe aren't easy, that maybe seem to make your life more difficult, but it, it is a help. It should be a help. It, it I, we have two, there's 2000 years of experience. Like that person up the offensive coordinator up in the, the top of the stadium has a perspective that you don't listen to them. But I think in the end, the, the answer is faith. I think like, yeah. you need to go deeper into what does it mean to have faith? Like Joe Burrow needs to have faith in the a human sense to say, okay, well, he sees something I don't. Maybe there's a hole in the defense that I'm not noticing from where I'm standing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the pass there. I'm going to throw that, that receiver. In the same way, the church with 2,000 years of wisdom obviously knows a lot more than any of us individuals do. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and that wisdom of the church is then imparted through the magisterium, which is the Pope, which is the, the, the bishops, the cardinals, the official governing body of the church is what we call the magisterium. And so when something is defined by the church, it's the church, it's God speaking through the church, which is this 2,000-year-old institution guided by the Holy Spirit. It's not what occurred to Pope Francis that morning, you know, it's not, and, or the cardinals or, or just you know, from a limited perspective of Rome and what do they know about me and my household and my, you know, my bedroom, right. or my dining room table or my, okay. Um, it does take faith, but then we see, I don't know, I'm sure all of us have had experiences of how God has spoken to us through other people and how we didn't get to where we are alone. And can God speak to us through creation? Can God speak to us through the Bible? Can God speak to us through a homily? Um, not only can he, but he does, he can, and he, he wills that he, he's done it throughout history. When Jesus called 12 apostles, he, he, he said, go out two by two, go and evangelize the 72. It, he didn't go himself in those moments. He said, okay, well, like my time walking on this earth in this, this state of my incarnation has a historical beginning and end. 
Jesus himself is eternal, obviously. But then how is that message going to continue arriving? How is that encounter, the real encounter with Christ going to keep happening? Through mediation. And it does, it does take faith. And especially now that I'm getting close to my ordination, there's 36 of us that will be ordained in three months. And there's an a cr- incredible reality that we priests will live that I can't explain because I'm not a priest. But, <laughs> but in reading about it and praying about it, like when it says in the Mass, you know, the priest is acting in persona Christi and in confession, he absolves sins in persona Christi. There's, I'm not, you're not confessing your sins to me. And I'm not the one that has any power on my own. I do have the power, which is the crazy thing, but it's through Christ that I can say, this is my body. I really do say that. It comes out of my mouth, my intention, my will, but it's back to, I don't know how you say it, but it's, it's full of the grace of the sacrament yeah. that Christ is saying those words with me, right? And hand in hand with me. And when I say, I, and I absolve you from your sins, how could I say that? Only God can forgive sins. When the Pharisees heard Jesus forgiving sins, only God can forgive sins. That's blasphemy. That's true. The priest doesn't forgive the sins. God forgives. Last thing I want to say, because I was asked the other day, what does it mean when we say God forgets? Like, does he really forget sin? Well, first, <laughs> Brother Andrew, what's your answer? Because I thought about this a little bit, and I'm not sure about my, my answer is good, but I was satisfied. But what is your answer? Does God, for, does God forget sin? Does he forgive and forget? Well, I haven't thought about this like you have. So <laughs> let's see what I can come up. Let's see what I go with. Um, God is all-knowing, right? That's one of his divine attributes. So he knows everything, right? And so he knows what's in my memory, Right. So I'm, I can think right now of the sins that I've done. God, those are present to his mind as well, right? So I don't think God forgets in the sense that um, he sort of just eliminates that because, I, because my memory is a part of the universe. My memory is a part of things that exist. It's in my mind, like I'm thinking. So, so then the question would be, can I think of something and God doesn't know what that is? Well, no, he knows everything that I think. So I don't think he forgets in that way. I think he forgets. Um, you know, I don't know if I have a good answer. I, I think maybe that he, 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 I remember a story. I remember a story. This maybe doesn't help to answer the question, but I remember a story. Um, it was either St. Margaret Mary or St. Faustina Kowalska, um, who had, he, she was receiving these, these revelations from Jesus and her spiritual director, I think it was St. Margaret Mary, her spiritual director, um, wanted to test if, if these were, wanted to see if these were true apparitions, true revelations, right? Um, private revelation. And so the spiritual director asked the saint, St. Margaret Mary, okay, well, ask God, when, what, what was my last mortal sin? And then so, so she, she, she did, she asked, you know, Jesus spoke to her one day and she said, oh, you know, by the way, my spiritual director. And so, but then Jesus answered, um, I, I don't know. So, so that story, because obviously he, he confessed, right? He confessed and he was wiped clean from his sin. So, so that kind of goes against what I said, <laughs> you know? So I don't know. Like, like, Cause God, like Jesus says in that revelation, like, I don't know. Um, so, you know, brother Luke, I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know how God forgets. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I, well, I love that story. As you were telling us, like, ah, that's true. I, I love that story. Like, just to hear that, like, Margaret Mary, when she went back to talk to her spiritual director, and he said, so, what did he say? And he said, he said he forgot, you know? Like, to think that, like, that, that is true. And so, here's what I was thinking, like, philosophically and then theologically. So, okay, um, what, what is sin? Sin is an evil. What is evil? Evil isn't something. It's a lack of good. So, evil is like a void. So, sin is a void. When we sin, like there's something lacking, there's something missing. When we go to confession and we reveal that in confession, God fills that void with his mercy, with his grace. And so in that sense, I think you can say that God forgets. Why? Because now when he sees that what what was a void is no longer a void. It's it's his his mercy poured Mm. 
and overflowing and whatever that void was. And so now when he sees mm. what that thing was, he doesn't see a sin anymore. He sees his mercy. He sees grace. He sees the reality is, is that that void no longer exists because it is filled and it's filled with his grace. And so whenever we sin and we go to confession, yeah. our confession, all of our sins, all that we were lacking, all that void and that emptiness is gone. It's filled with his grace. And, and that, folks, is one of the biggest, hugest, ginormousest benefits of mediation, sacramental forgiveness and confession. And that's what, that's what Jesus wanted to give us. After his resurrection, he breathed on the apostles and he said, whoever, whosoever, whatever this, the old version, whosoever thou <laughs> forgiveth thy sins, <laughs> let, them, let them remaineth forgiven them. You know? that's, what, that's, what, that's what he desired for, for, for his church because, because one, he wants to respect our freedom through mediation. It's not God directly coming into our lives every moment. He says, okay, you know, you're in the image of God. I respect your freedom. And so he chooses other people. And so that means we can say yes or no. And also it's an invitation to faith. Like I believe that God um, shows himself, shows his will in a, in a humble way through the, the people he's chosen um, throughout history, throughout salvation history and in a church today. Um, not so that this person can lord it over me and, and exult with all the authority that he has. No, but it's a service. Hmm. It's a service to us. And that, that's, what, that's what mediation is about. Mediation is, is a way that God communicates his life and his truth to us, respecting our freedom and inviting us to have faith. And, but Andrew, why, but still, like, can't God forgive my sins? Like, why would I, why do I need to go to a priest? Because, like, God could forgive me and that void is filled. And that's it. true. That's, you're right. Yeah, God. God does not need the sacrament of confession to forgive us. That's true. But Jesus wanted to institute the sacrament of confession to give us sure grace, sure knowledge of his grace and sure knowledge of his forgiveness. This actually happened. It's not a joke. It really did happen. It's not something, oh, you know, I'm pray to God and he'll forgive me. Um, you know, God... God will forgive, but like, how do you, like, there's no way to actually know, like, unless, unless sort of God reveals to you personally, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you've been forgiven. That's what he does in confession, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so I think, I, I think it's this sure knowledge of being forgiven that, 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 that is, is why God instituted the sacrament for us, so that we would know, and so that it would be a source of, of, of obvious grace for, for us. He's, he's outside of his sacraments, so he can, God can work outside. He can forgive. He can, he can, he can give people graces in ways that we can't imagine um, because he's God. But the normal way is through the sacraments, through the sacraments. Just like the normal way um, the Bengals or the Rams are going to win is through all this team of people that are, that are calling the shots, that are helping them, that are, that are conveying information so that they can act correctly. It's not a... It's not an attack on their freedom. It's not something that, that, that holds them down. No, it helps them to, to win. <laughs> and then, and so, like, like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know? And when your soul needs a kick and your sin needs a block and you need to confess, let us stand on the rock. Wow, this rap, like, seems to work with anything. It's like roses are red, violets are blue. You can just, like, throw in anything and it always sounds good. Exactly. So as we end our, our podcast today, we got two questions. So we asked you all for some feedback. All right. And two questions came in. So I'll give one to, to Deacon Luke, maybe both of them, since I just talked a lot. <laughs> so one of the one, one, somebody asked, what are your thoughts on um, spiritual direction? Like, how can I have a more loving relationship with the father? And so this person wanted to know, yeah, like how can I how can I develop that maybe through spiritual direction? What what should I do? Well, mediation. I think that's your answer. Like, the importance of spiritual direction is that you have someone helping guide you and your relationship with God. So your relationship with God is yours, and spiritual direction is you that you do the exercise of opening up that relationship that you have with God to another person. The idea of a spiritual director, it's a huge responsibility. So Brother Andrew and I and all legionaries and many Red and Christian members and many other people in the world are called to be spiritual directors, which means that we have to really know the, this path of the interior life. Like 
the the steps you could say that um, many saints have have carved out these paths. What are the steps that I can take to follow in their footsteps? Obviously, in my own way, my personal relationship with Christ to arrive to a true friendship, a loving personal relationship with God that blossoms, arrives to heaven. And so when you and doing that exercise of opening up, okay, my relationship with God is this, and I do this, and I'm having trouble with this, and I have this question, a spiritual director helps you gu- helps guide you through, uh, yeah, parts of you that still aren't sure, questions you might have about the faith, um, moments of darkness, am I doing this right? Am I doing something wrong? Like, why is this happening to me? Why, when I open up the Bible, I don't understand anything? I'm not inspired. It's boring. I fall asleep. Why is it? Um, that I'm so frustrated with this person. Um, I used to be such a virtuous person and now I can't, you know, I, I can't seem to keep my cool. There's all these bumps in the road, ups and downs, that if we try to go out alone, we might get um, discouraged or frustrated or confused. And a spiritual director helps you to see, ah, maybe God's God inviting you to do this. Or have you tried reading um, this book that explains exactly what you're going through? Because in a, in, a, in a way, your relationship is very personal with God. And in, from the, the other side of the coin is that like the saints have all gone through that. They've all gone through moments of dryness. They call it in prayer when things are boring. They've gone through, uh, they've had their doubts and their difficulties as well. And they persevered with the help of the spirit structure. They persevered. They fought that spiritual battle, that fight, and were rewarded with huge virtue. And most of all, this relationship with God that only grows when we when we persevere and we have faith and we have patience that like the the treasures that god wants to give us only multiply uh that's what i'd say about spiritual that's a great answer okay awesome thanks and um the second question i'll 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 give a part of my answer to and i'll let you complete it but the second question that somebody asked us was about um traditionalism like the use of a veil at mass or maybe uh, like the Latin language or just different elements of, of sort of a more traditional piety. Like, is this a good thing? Is it not a good, like, can it help? Does it not help? Um, and so I think that, I think we have to look at the, the big, the big history of the church. And there's so many treasures that, that have been handed down to us in the past 2000 years. So many different prayers have been written. Um, different vestments have been sewn. Um, different, uh, uh, songs have been composed, uh, styles of processions. There's so much, so much richness here. And so the easy answer is yes, these are wonderful things um, to use to, for, to, for the benefit of one's personal prayer. Um, I think maybe one thing that, that, that could get some people, could knock some, knock some people off their rocker, I guess you could say, is perhaps if, if, you know, if somebody has an attitude of like, okay, um, imagine it's a, it's a, I don't know, I'm just thinking of a young woman who's wearing a veil at mass, right? And there's nobody else in the church who's wearing a veil and it's only her, right? Um, and this, this is a problem for people who are in our judgment, right? <laughs> Some people think, oh, well, who does she think she is? You know, she's wearing a veil and she's all, you know, hot and, hot and tooty and holy and much better. I don't know if that's a phrase, but they, that, the, the idea was communicated. It's gone through um, all of our minds, that exact phrase. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think on the one hand, that's a problem of those of us who are being judgmental. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever thought of anybody that way before. But if somebody's judgmental in that way, that's a problem that they have. Um, but on the second, on the second, um, second, on the other hand, uh, you, could, you could say um, it's not necessary to, to sort of s- stick out for like wearing a veil or doing this when, when most other people aren't doing that. Um, it doesn't mean it's bad, um, but it doesn't mean it, it also isn't necessary, right? It's not a, um, it's, it's not something, it's not a necessary means to, 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 to grow in holiness, right? But it does help. It does help some people because it, it, it reminds them of the holy place where they are. Um, so, so it's, so it's not something that's ultimate, something that can help. It's something that could be a stumbling block for people who aren't, aren't are being judgmental. Um, so it's kind of a mix of all those things, but on the, on the, on the whole, I think it's a positive thing that used with humility can be a great aid for the spiritual life. Yeah, I would agree with what you said. I think just where's, where's my, my where's my heart in doing these things or in, in considering or judging these acts, um, if you're if you have a good intention, you're wearing the veil, 
as a sign of, yeah, like what you said of humility and modesty and all these things, then beautiful. Like St. Paul talked about women should wear veils, but that's also in a very different context, you know, in, right, in, uh, right. you know, that, that area of the world in that time, you know, that was something that they saw as necessary, but the church 2022 isn't saying women should wear veils like St. Paul did, but they're understanding right. that St. Paul had in mind that, you know, they should be reverent. They should not be a distraction. Um, and then there were, yeah, there were teachings for all these different things that maybe not necessarily we don't have to follow exactly anymore, but that's because some of them are essential and other ones are based on the context. It has a lot of meaning and significance and other contexts, it's probably only going to distract. And so it's like for each person and with your spiritual director to talk about this mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Is this really going to help me and help others? And is that why I'm doing it? Or is it for some other reason? to like yeah to stick out and so people think oh look at that person that you know they're so holy and um but yeah testimony another very important means of mediation we didn't talk about that today but maybe for next time is a huge part of mediation just you don't even have to open up your mouth but you living your faith in a radical way in a in in a joyful way is what pope francis is always you know encouraging us to do is what TJIFF always encouraged to do. Is what Bishop Barron would encourage you to do. <laughs> we didn't talk about it in this episode, so I had to throw it in there. Um, Sorry, is, Bishop Barron. <laughs> he, he gets really, um, you know, adamant. Or he's really adamant about us talking about him and mentioning his, his views. I know. continue soaring every, whenever we, we talk about him on our podcast. I, I'm, t I'm, tired. I'm tired of all his constant private messages to me asking me, you know, to... Yeah, <laughs> to keep on mentioning him, you know. but it's it's, it's good collaborating, annoying. you know. He talk, yeah, he talks. He brings in TJFF. We bring in Word yeah. on Fire, and yeah, it's yeah, good. quid quid pro quo, you know, yeah, for exactly. our Latinists. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but Andrew, I think we have talked about a lot of things. We've talked about we've talked a lot. Period. So I think we just kind of just finish this episode with uh, we do not just do, we do quay. God bless everybody. What was that? What was that? TGIFM. What was that? Two brothers in row. What was that? What was that? TGIFM. What was that? It's a double F, not a singular F. TGIFF Instagram is TGIFF.podsquad. Facebook, Instagram, Internet. All over.